Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by Peter Mullen of American Consumer Credit Counseling. Good morning again. Thanks for being here. Morning. I, I hope I'm still with you and haven't disappeared this time. You are still with me, but um, should you disappear again, I will be <laughs> sending the SOS text to my husband to join me. It's not that I couldn't talk for for an hour alone. I certainly could, but you I just you just get nervous. I was like, oh my god, I'm so nervous. I started yeah. sweating. I was like, <laughs> it was terrible. I know. Um, well, but unfortunately, I have the other gift of I can talk forever. So. Oh, I guess. Well, that's why I love having <laughs> you on the show. And I wasn't stressed out about it last night. Um, so we've been talking about um, sort of all things related to just, I don't know, good, good financial behavior in general, yeah. but really just rebuilding your life after a hardship and where to start and the things to think yeah. about. And um, so we started talking about you know, checking your credit, checking your credit, and the importance of rebuilding credit and getting back on track. I think this goes right along with um, the budgeting exercise, as you mentioned. Yep. And I started yep. to get into that a little bit when I was flying solo when you lost your uh, uh-huh. your Wi-Fi there. Um, I I just and I was sort of starting to say that you know the the budgeting process is so daunting. Of course, is a, a lot of people just have a lot of line items in their spending, and it's just it's a it's a pain to go yeah. through that. Um, but I just I think the easiest way to approach it is to like really break out. Like, you know, you have your take-home pay, right? And hopefully everyone Mm -hmm. can figure out what that is, your take-home pay. Yep. And then I think right off the bat, what you want to do is subtract from that the things that are like almost the same every month and that are mandatory, right? So you're going to take out your... Fixed. Right. Your, either fixed, your mortgage... Fixed expense. Right. Take out your mortgage payment or your rent. If you have condo fees, right. take it out. Your your utilities are probably semi-consistent, right? Certainly like your cable or whatever mm-hmm. is consistent. And of course, gas and electric will fluctuate. But like take that, yeah. you know, average it and take that stuff right off the bat. Um, and I would even take out like, you know, some sort of a minimum expense for, for like for groceries shopping, right? You know, that's the stuff that you have to, um, the mandatory expenses and, and figure out what's absolutely mandatory in your life 
and subtract that right off the bat because that gets you down to a smaller amount of money and then there are a smaller amount of things that you have to really pay attention to going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so your more discretionary spending is that that's really where you want to pay your attention to and start mm-hmm. you know um, you know uh, uh, tallying up what you're spending. Um, again, it's 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 easy these days because there's not a lot of it, but like the discretionary stuff will be your you know your dining out or your takeout your or um, your travel, your, um, you know, leisure type stuff, your skiing, uh, you know, which is mm-hmm. like the only thing that people can do yeah, these days in New England. There's and, nothing left. Yeah. In- <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, well, that so happens to be a big a, expense. A forced savings. COVID <laughs> has helped us out. You, know, there's, yeah. you can't go out to eat. You can't do nothing. You can't yeah. go to sports. There's nothing know, to do. I know. But if I could jump in on some of the jump things in. you're saying, Alyssa, and uh, yeah. just tell you some of the things that we would, we suggest from our side, from American Consumer Credit. Mm-hmm. And that would be to kind of flip some of this on its head. Okay. So let me go back and kind of build it from the beginning. Okay. Number one, a lot of people are very, very fearful. We hear all kinds of things from people. Why don't you do a budget? I'm scared of doing a budget. I don't want to see those things. It's too boring. It's too restrictive. It keeps me from doing things. So try and flip it on its head. And here's what I would suggest for folks to do. And it's a little bit counterintuitive. Um, the, 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 the plan would be to start to think about what is, start with a goal. Let's just start with an emergency savings because we talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. So a starting point might be set a goal. So you haven't even looked at all your budget yet. I know it sounds crazy, but start to think about what's important to you and name in a figure. There's a thing that's used a, a rubric called the SMART goals. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's, it's just yeah. make it very specific, realistic, okay. so uh, attainable and so on. Um, and, and, and then finally, it's time bound. So okay. let's just say you say you're going to start with $100 to start putting aside this month in your emergency fund. If you add zero before, 100 is better than nothing and you're starting. Yeah. But then here's what you do. You start to fill out that budget. And by the way, American Consumer Credit and many other places online can give you online Excel budget spreadsheets. Yeah. You fill it in and you start out by doing the best you can. Um, so uh, Maya Angelo has a quote that says, you know, uh, do the best you can in, until you know better. <laughs> and when you know better, do better. Yeah. And so think of it budgets, not as a one-time shot. Oh, I screwed up this month. I'm not going to do it no more. Think of it as put a stake in the ground, encourage your viewers and re, uh, I shouldn't say viewers, listeners to, to start it. And then with each month, it gets better and better. So you start with a goal. You try to attain it. Those things you said, exactly. There's a lot of fixed expenses like rent and some other things that are pretty, you can plug them pretty quickly, but the variable ones, the ones that cause the whole flux, like eating out or groceries or certain types of utilities and what you do over time by the time I've done it a second time, a third time. It's now January. So I'll do my February one. I'll do my March one. I'll do my April one. And by that time, you have a pretty solid feel as to what your expenses are for going out to eat or the variable items. And your budget becomes not only more firm, it becomes more reflective of what you truly spend. Now that you've gone to that one last thing, now that you've got to that point, you're in a position to make intelligent choices when you and your significant other or you or you by yourself start to say, hey, hey, honey, we do you realize we spend $800 a month going out to eat? I had a client that said that. And another client that said they only spent 200. Well, that's an opportunity potential for them to then make a change and put some of that money toward their goal. I was just thinking as you're talking about this stuff that there's really like, there's two ways to approach this budgeting exercise. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know which way is better. I think it might depend on the person. But one way is to you know, take a budget worksheet and write in some numbers so -hmm. that they all add up to no more than your take home pay. Right. Yep. And, you know, of course, make your best guess about what's realistic. Can I, can I really spend this amount or less on groceries? You know, for example. Exactly. So, so I think that's one way to approach it. Yep. Um, Another way to approach it is to go back 
through go go back to reality, uh, yeah. it, recent history, and yeah. add up what Absolutely. you actually did spend in all of yes. those categories for a period of time. You could do a month, you could do a quarter, and average it for monthly. Absolutely. And then from there, assuming mm -hmm. it, you know, if it adds up to more than you should have spent, yeah. then you just start for the next month by paying attention to, okay, an XYZ category, I'm going to spend less. You know That's what I mean? One, like, yeah. so, one, so one way is to start with reality and just work to improve. And I yeah. think the other way is to put together, you know, your the ideal situation and strive to get there. I don't know which one is better. And I think it might mm -hmm. depend on the person. Do you have a... Well, I, I would say, Alyssa, that what I think you need to be doing both. Oh, the okay. basis of you making, anyone making their first budget should be reflective of the realities of what they spent. Yeah. So therefore, right now it's January. A very helpful piece of information is if I went back and looked, what did we spend, my wife and I, what did we spend back in November and December? That informs us yeah. to help make yeah. a, a, a stake in the ground for January. And then February isn't here yet. So these historical realities are helping to inform us toward what we think our grocery budget will be in 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 February. We haven't gotten there yet. So the history tells us that. Yeah. And then you then with that knowledge and as it gets firmer and firmer, maybe we say it's 300, but then that month we go to 400. So therefore we knowledgeably look at that and say, why? What can we do about it? Can we reduce it? If we really want it to be 300 per month, we can now know that it went over and make make changes to that line. So that's that's where that all comes in. Knowledge is power and knowledge helps you to make, first of all, what the reality is. And you, you hit that word. It absolutely has to be honest. Yeah. It has to be real. Some of the problems I've seen in counseling, I counsel folks. Mm. I've seen couples come in this is an example of true examples. Couples come in and the wife is hiding money from the husband. The husband is hiding money from the, 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 uh, the wife. They may have separate credit cards. If those two aren't honest about where their money is and where their money goes, there's really no way they can make a combined budget that helps them to know this is our life today. So you put a stake in the ground. This is January 30th. Someone doing a budget after today's show should put a stake in the ground and try, and try to say, you know, you know, just between yourself, what is the reality of what I make? What's my income coming in? And then what's the reality of where my money goes? Once you have that in writing, you can go up from there because now you can amend it. Like here's a good example of where people, you know, get caught. ATMs, a good a good place where money is invisible and goes away. Mm. Unless you record it, it's so easy. And I used to do this too. It's so easy to go to the ATM, take out a 50 here, take out a 100 there, so on. If you don't know that, that you've done it and record it, then at the end of the month, if I don't know the fact that I, Peter, took out $500 in ATM over this course, over this month, then... I can't then begin to make a change and a, and a judgment change that says, hmm, that's probably too much. I'm going to limit myself to 200. And then I can see where if, you know, if I had that extra 300, I could apply that toward, if it was extra, I could apply that toward my goal. So yeah. we have one last rule that we have for budgets. You were kind of alluding to it. And we say every, every dollar has a job. I don't know if you've heard that before. So if I make $3,000 a month, I should be able to account for $3,000 worth of not spend, yeah. $3,000 worth of assignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2800 spent, 200 quote, left over. I call it unassigned. It's not left over. It's 200 you will assign someplace else to my emergency fund, to my buy a new car fund, to my kids' braces fund. It, there's many places to put it. Um. We, I force that on the high school kids when we go through the money fair. They're like, oh, I had, you know, $800 a month left over. And I'm like, yeah. no, you need to do something with it. You yes. need to either, Correct. like you said, save it, bump up your 401k allocation, pay down your pay, student loans faster. Pay down your yeah. credit cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you know I haven't been to the, I just was realizing there the other day, I haven't been to an ATM in about two to three years. Oh, really? To the point where I went. 
to try to go to the ATM about a week ago and I couldn't, I didn't have an ATM card in my wallet. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is really bad. I just normally just take, you know, I have the bank Gosh. of my husband at home where I just take money out of his wallet. He goes to the ATM. Oh. It's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty, that's good if you can get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. He normally does have, you know, a few bills in there. So um, anyway, I, I along these lines, so we were talking about there's a couple ways to approach the budget. I guess ideally, like you yep. said, you know, both ways, combine both ways. I think you could have the same conversation regarding saving. So regarding those dollars that should be allocated either to savings or to paying down debt, there's yeah. also a couple ways to approach this in, in conjunction with the budgeting process, right? So let's say we go through this. So again, there's a, there's a couple ways to approach how much can of my monthly income, how much can slash will I either save or um, pay use to pay down debt if I have debts to pay down. Yep. So I, I think there's two ways to approach it. The first way is pick a number that, that puts us on a good track to build the emergency reserves in a reasonable period mm -hmm. of time mm -hmm. and or to pay down the debt in a reasonable mm -hmm. period of time so that I'm not carrying that. Pick pick a number and just do it every month. And But mm -hmm. then you're sort of forced to, do I have enough money left over to do everything else, right? Yeah. The, the other way to approach it is, you know, go, spend my money for the month in those cat every other category and then see what's left. Obviously, the first one is better. Yeah, yeah, that, that, <laughs> right. That one that you just mentioned. I'm sorry, Alyssa, but that's 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 the way people traditionally do it. Right. And that's really not to, the way to do it. Right. That's what gets problematic. Right. I in my you know you spend everything you got, it's, pay off everything you got, and you have you know two dollars and seventy three cents <laughs> left over. Yeah. That, that's not going to cut it. That's why I'm saying you attempt to put the hundred dollar stake in the ground up front of the goal that you're trying to do and then work your way and fit all your other numbers to that. Yeah. Now, if in the end I couldn't make the hundred, so be it. But I tried. Yeah. I set that first. And then one last thing, then jump it back to you. The other thing that's so great about having, and I would suggest you talk oftentimes about, should I put money toward my emergency fund or should I pay off debt? I would say you first build up an emergency fund. And the number is up Even to you. Even a small one. A couple, yeah. a couple thousand. Yeah. A couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And then when you've done that, that's a reasonable emergency fund. Yeah. Then take some of the extra money or the unassigned money at the end of a month and put it toward paying down high interest rate cards, paying off uh, people you have to pay off and so on. And then if an issue does come, remember at the very start, we talked about things in which I said the dilemma people have, if you do break a tooth and you have no, and you have no emergency fund, my, my cat, this is a true story. My cat a couple of years ago, she's 21 now, oh, but like two years ago, <laughs> wow. she had a bad tooth, it cost me 500 bucks. Oh, yeah. One tooth pulled. Oh, I believe it. So, if I had no money, I would have to what? Go to credit cards or write, rob my 401k or, yeah. or do go to my brother-in-law, like I said, or other, other things, go to a check cashing store. It's better that for now, if I have a fund, let's call it an emergency fund. But let's just say for argument's sake, I had another fund. It's my save for a car fund. I need a new car. I, we, do have, we do have a 2003 Toyota Camry. Okay? Oh, nice. It's doing fine. But that's almost, almost as old forever. as your cat. So, yeah, it's my cat, I think my cat is older than the car. Yeah, I don't know who's older, like about it. the same age. Yeah. But, but the point being, if you had to, if you had to have an emergency, you could borrow from your car fund, right? Just temporarily take some money. So I want to buy a new car by, you know, making this up by September 1st of this year. So your choices are if you have some money, whether you call it emergency or a car fund, I don't care what you call it, yeah. that I can borrow from myself and then you have two choices. You can either then change the payment you're making up or down or change the time frame. So maybe I don't get my new car on September 1st. I get it on October 1st. Great. I've, I'm, I'm living life. Uh, yeah. Life life happens. So <laughs> you got to adjust and you need the, the <clears throat> money you need is the grease that helps these wheels turn right. And if you have no grease, these things kind of get stagnant and get tied up and you're stuck because you're having to get money from some other source. You're full of analogies. I am. Um, 
Oh, what was, what was I going to say? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, some people want... Um, some people want targets in terms of, well, what percentage of my take-home should I be using mm-hmm. to build my cash? What percentage yep. should I be using to pay down debt? For yep. me, that's very hard because I always want to analyze everything and you know figure out the schedule for paying down the debt and how many months to do this yep. and that. I want to get always very detailed about it. I'm just mm-hmm. wondering if you have any sort of like, do you have broad guidelines regarding percentages of take-home that should be going to certain buckets? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the answer and the key word there is broad. It's very, I mean, the fact yeah. is, and it, and it very much depends on what part of the country you're in as well. So let me give you a couple of the ones that we have from our from our workbook that we have. Okay. We, it, said, it says 35% should go toward housing. Mm-hmm. Housing costs and that, whether that's an apartment or a mortgage, whatever. But here in the Northeast, oh, that's, I see what you mean. that's yeah. generally not attainable. Most people here right. in the Northeast have to pay 45%. Or okay. sometimes we don't advise it. Sometimes people pay 50%. Is that, of, advised. Is that of take home? Is that of net or gross? That, that's of your... I get confused. That's of your... It, 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 either way, I don't I don't care which way you look at oh, it. It okay. could probably be your, uh, your gross. Okay. They talk about is how okay. they often assess it. So the industry often yeah. will say of your gross income that you have, uh, again, this is the shoulds that as you go to get a loan. So this this is where the whole bit of debt to debt to income ratios come in. If you go to get a loan right now to get a buy a house, the mortgage lenders have these standard formulas in, around here that will say we 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 won't even lend you money because your debt to income ratio uh, for this is too high. You can't afford fifty percent of your income going toward this house you want. You want this house to cost 450000 Well, your payment per month will bring you to 50% of your income. That's that's not a, that's not livable. That's not attainable. Okay. They want it to be lower, like 35 or 34 okay. or 38. Each bank is different. So back to your bid on percentages, there's standards, but it really comes down to you. I will say one that's quite solid is savings. You have to be putting aside something for savings, and the vast majority of my, Americans don't. I would say 10% at least, 20 if you can, but 10 is like the minimum, and that includes retirement too. So you have to be thinking of the current, near term, and the longer term, and now we're back to your discussion to kids, that time is your friend then. Oh, yeah. Time is your friend if you're 20 doing this and putting aside some money, you will have a boatload of money when you're 65 or 70. They probably will retire at 70. That's 50 years worth of accumulated uh, compounding interest and so on. That's great. That's good. So that's one part of that 10%. But the other part is for life's today. The fact is your car, your car is going to blow a tire at some point in the near future. You know, get ready for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have broad guidelines for savings for retirement. I always, it, of course, it depends on when you're starting. If you're 45 and have nothing saved up, then exactly. your targets are going to be higher than if you're 22 yep. and have your first job. But I've been saying, you know, 10 to 15%, 12 is a good yep. target, I think, these days. But again, if, if, if you're older and getting a late start, it's higher than that. But anyway, Absolutely. I just, I don't have any, I never really had any broad guidelines for like, if someone carries, you know, debt, what percentage should we reasonably be sending to the debt? Because for me, it just it depends on the amount of the debt and the interest rate and, and how There's long. a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I just didn't know if you guys had any yeah, sort of broad. Yeah, no, here, yeah. here's what I would do. I, as a general rule, when I'm counseling folks, I'm not looking at those guidelines. I'm looking at you. I'm oh, looking good. at your situation. Yeah. I'm looking course. at what you're, what you're facing. Hey, you yeah. could be a divorced mother. I've seen them who are facing foreclosure because their scummy husband has, you know, uh, <laughs> I hate to, you know, I, God, you know, you've I'm probably seen some. Has, has dumped, has taken the house or mm. left them with a foreclosed house and, and run up a credit card bill and take mm. it off. And they're left with all this stuff. Well, their situation is totally different. I have many folks who I counsel who have just gotten out of prison. I have somebody who I'm talking to today, yesterday, who, sad story, but it's real. He was he, he went to prison at age 23, and he's been in prison for 25 years. No. He just got out. Yeah. So 
what is his situation? Yeah, I'm sure you've heard some he stories. He has to rebuild yeah. everything. He yeah. has to start. He has no credit because he didn't do anything for the last 25 years. Yeah. But he has a lot of starting points. I work with a place called Second Chance Cars. I'll just make a little plug for them. Okay. Second Chance Cars. It's uh, And what they do is, and what I help out with is, there's lots of folks who need a car. So if somebody, if I help to make the work out the numbers that if they give them a car for $900, all fully renovated, ready to go, all fantastic. And I will help them to figure out if A, the person can afford it, hmm. and B, can, will their life change if they have a car? Can they get a better job? Yeah. And the answer almost the time is yes. Wow. I'm sure you've heard some stories that are probably heartbreaking, but thank goodness that they have you to help them get through that stuff. So um, we're talking with Peter Mullen, American Consumer Credit Counseling. We're talking about rebuilding life after a financial heart I do want to get into uh, debt consolidation right after sure. the break. Right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We are talking, I don't know, finan- responsible financial basic stuff today. Um, very specifically um, targeted to the tough year many people have had. And we're talking about sort of where do you start if, you, if you're in a bad financial situation and you want to work your way out of it, which hopefully you do. And, and you can uh, use that motivation to better your situation. So um, my guest today is Peter Mullen. He's a, uh, I was going to say rookie. You're, a, you're an experienced experienced uh, uh, guest of mine. Uh, you've been on the show several times. He's with American Consumer Credit Counseling, um, and he's a wealth of information for, um, you know, basic financial knowledge and, and the do's and the don'ts and helps people get out of bad situations all the time. So thank you for being here again. Um, and you had mentioned that your prior uh, prior to COVID-19, your career was mostly traveling and educating people in, 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 uh, in person and, and stuff like that. So what, what are, are you tr- transitioning to virtual or is it phone or is it, what, what are, what's your role now? So prior to the COVID hit, uh, I had about 30, 35 clients who my go-to, my go-to clients. So I would travel all over the state, Lowell, New Bedford, uh, Framingham, Worcester, uh, wherever, Quincy, Lynn, uh, all my go-tos yeah. and they could be schools like I said before yeah. schools prisons churches whoever gives us a call and who we make up a, a contact with okay. we you know even office of refugee and immigrants I work with a lot of immigrant oh, populations wow. who oh. are newly here to nice. America yeah. and they they have no clue as to how our credit system works oh, well yeah. I tell you most Americans don't know how <laughs> our credit system works yeah. so we, we're trying to do the best we can to educate Mm-hmm. But here, here's one of the things, and we're not traveling as much now, so obviously we're doing a lot of things online. And I actually am going to make a quick plug for myself and just say, yeah. we actually have our first live webinar. Okay. We're going to start doing live webinars through Go, Go to Webinar yep. next, next uh, Thursday at 2 o'clock. And I will be running the live webinar. Okay. And you can find it on our website from two to three, of which everybody is invited. You just got to register. It's free. Yeah. And we will talk all about budgeting. Okay. So, so that's, yes, that's how we're planning to kind of tackle the future. We will still go to places if they want us, you know, with the proper PPE protections. Yeah. But they, people don't want us physically anymore. They want us online. And we're, right. We're ready to do that. Right, right. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so I wanted to get into... You were talking about consolidation. Yeah, like I I just, unfortunately, you know, in an ideal world, you can become reemployed or get a second job and and you can, you know, make enough money to work down your debts in a reasonable amount of time. But, you know, unfortunately, of course, there are situations where people just Mm -hmm. can't and the interest rates are too high and they can't make any headway. They're just, they're treading water or they're sinking. And, and so, you know, you've been on the show before and, and, and helped people understand the different options they might have in like a disastrous situation where they just can't get out of that, uh, get out of the debt. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to toss it over to you because I know there's a, there's a few different things and, you know, debt debt management and settlement and consolidation, all that stuff. So can you walk us through the options that people have if they just find that they're, they're working, but they can't pay the debts back? Absolutely. I mean, if I was, again, I'm going to treat you like a client. You're like my client now, Alyssa. Okay. I, I would start by talking with you or any client and start to try and find out, tell me more about your situation. What, wh- why, what happened? 
how did you get to this point? Tell me a little bit about the reason why you're in this financial situation. And part of that will govern where we might go on some of our discussion. Mm -hmm. But what my role is as a counselor is to provide you with options, as you said. It's never my role to tell you, Alyssa, you must do this or you should go to that bank or I, I steer you. That's that's a sign of a risk sign. You okay. should never have any counselor tell you what to do. They can advise you of the options. So let's let's talk about the options. Okay. I'm going to go kind of from the maybe the lightest to the heaviest. In generally speaking, one of the first things you can do if you're saddled with debt, and it depends on the kind of debt too. Student loan and federal debts and personal loan debts are treated differently than unsecured debt. Unsecured debt is credit card debt. Okay. So there's a difference between secured debt, like mortgage on your house, yeah. secured against your house yeah. or against your car, versus unsecured, and it's treated differently. So that's one kind and, of split. And, and in the is road. student loan debt is unsecured though, right? Student loan is unsecured, yeah. okay. but it's like also like has a huge huge grip on you different than other kinds of loans. So they have the power of the federal government behind you sometimes yeah. where they can reach into you and attach your salary and so on. So it's a different animal oh. depends on which debt you're you're facing. So okay. let's kind of go from, like I said, maybe the lightest to the strongest and then you can okay. ask questions or maybe someone will call. The, the first thing, if I'm saddled with debt, I mean, some, some options you might have in front of you is to first think about taking out a personal loan. So one thing, if you have the credit, now these are all intertwined, they're all intertwined together. If you have decent credit, you might have the ability to take out a personal loan and then pay off the 10,000. I'm gonna just go with 10,000 as a number. Okay. Whatever that debt might be, take out a personal loan from a bank you have a relationship with or a credit union, take out the 10,000, pay off all your creditors and then pay back the single payment back to that uh, credit union. That's, so that's one possibility. And the, would, and the benefit would be the lower interest rate? The, that the benefits you're hoping for, yeah. again, that's otherwise the, one of the big ifs. Otherwise, there's no difference. It's not going to be valuable for you if, and then these are all ifs, and it all depends on the situation. If the situation is you have, if you have credit cards with high interest rates, and yeah. 15, 20, 25 is not uncommon. Right. And yet, you, if you were able to get a personal loan from your local friendly bank or union and get it for 10%, you're swapping the 10,000 with all kinds of interest rates to a 10,000 personal loan if you can get it and your credit is good. Yeah. Those are all ifs. Then you can pay them off, pay off the one bill to the yeah. credit union and it's consolidated down to one. And we so, could sort of have that same discussion if someone could take could have a take out a home equity line of credit or do a cash that, out refinance. That would be another one. Yeah. The, the difference on the home equity though is you're right, that could be another solution if putting your mortgage up or not your mortgage, your house up as yeah. the equity. Yeah. That's a secured loan. Same concept. The one difference being is your your home is at risk. That's the yeah. one overall difference. That if you didn't pay the the ten thousand back, then if you if you reneged on that, not because you wanted to, because you something happened, then your house is at risk to help make the sale. So yeah. that's where a little higher risk comes. But yes, that's an alternative. Okay. A, th a third one. I would bring up, and this is some people ask about, to get a, if they're out there, a, cr a credit card, find a nice, great credit card that has zero interest and pay off all your credit cards with the new ABC zero interest credit card and pay them all off. And so you pay off your 10,000 debt through that one. Again, one payment to one credit card, no interest might work for you, but for everything we mentioned today, you have to do the numbers. You have to play them out and see how they work. Um, if that, and most of them would, would not generally offer you a zero interest card unless they had some other way to make money, right? They're in it for the money, not because they yeah. love us, right? So they might have fees or annual fees or registration fees or to do a transfer it will cost you a one-time $500 cost or whatever. Hmm. So you have to check that out and you can't it. just jump into it. Do your homework. I also just want to stress that this whole like, basically what we're talking about is transferring high interest rate debt to low interest yes. rate debt. I really, right. really want to stress that this only really works well, first of all, if you can get the lower interest rate debt yeah. alone, but it only, you're only going to make headway if you're paying the same amount 
to that lower interest rate debt so that you are actually making headway, meaning you're paying more principal. Yes. You're paying more like principal. you, right. Like if you're, if you're, if your payment was 500 bucks a month on this higher yep. interest rate debt and you, and you transfer that to a lower interest rate debt, but then you cut your payment to 200 bucks a month. And you're and you're still not paying down the principal or enough of the principal. Right. You're you're not solving the problem. You're just no. you're you're stretching the problem out. Um, mm-hmm. So I you're, I you're exactly right that, yeah. that you 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 pay the same amount five hundred in yeah. your example, but you're exactly right. Less of that should go to interest, and more of it should go to the principal. Yeah. And a principal is just so people know is the loan amount you're taking out. And as with houses, just as an example, you pay a lot in in interest up front yeah. and very little on principal. And it's only over time that you cut that down. Yeah. You want your principal to go down quick. But let me give you one other very important human trait that goes with all this. And this is unfortunately what we see and what is reality. A lot of people, when they consolidate that debt from one card, from six cards down to one, now they have five cards with zero debt on them. What do some people do oh, with that? Yeah, what do just, some humans do? Yeah, hmm. they just use it. Hey, look at that. We got some cards with zero debt. Let's go buy that TV that we want. Yeah. Let's go, hey, the the, the uh, Super Bowl is coming up. Let's go buy that. It, that's, buy a Super that's, Bowl? <laughs> well, Brady's in it, right? Or, you know, of course so, he is. You know, I know he's on the wrong side because he's in it. So, um, you know, so, but the point being is, there's other things that go with this and we can counsel folks and we have who will then go right back out. I had, seriously, we had a person who was facing bankruptcy but went out and bought a Hummer. $80,000? I mean, obviously not really taking the whole thing seriously. Let's go to the next one. The next one is the bigger one and this is, by the way, in full disclosure, what ACCC does. There's what's called debt management. Now, just to be clear up front, there's one thing called debt management and there's one thing called debt settlement. They are different. Okay. I'm going to explain the difference. Okay. Debt management is when a company like ACCC and as many as out there, when they're typical nonprofits and their fees are regulated by, by the government. We have one of the lowest fees around, by the okay. way. Debt management is when you go to a company like ACCC. Let's go back to the $10,000 again. You can call them up, and we said those are all free calls. They can begin to hear your story of how I have $10,000 in debt across these five cards. I don't know what to do. It's burdened me down. They would do this whole process, and any debt management would would begin to play out the numbers with you. They would pull in your credit report. They'd start to find out what your income is. It's very much like a budget again. How much do you make? Where does your money go? And then they begin to figure out if we were to work together, and this is where the if and this is where the payment would come in, we can consolidate your 10000 down to one payment, and I'm making this up, of $346 per month that you pay to us and then we pay all the underlying five creditors behind it. Okay. For that service, because of the creditors, I mentioned them before, Bank of America, uh, Chase, uh, it doesn't matter what they are. We have a relationship with them. And for the fact that they're getting a guaranteed $346 from Alyssa, who hasn't been paying them on a regular basis, yeah, they're happy that they will pass over savings to us and we pass that on Oops. to you. Because we have a relationship with them and they may well lower interest rates and maybe even lower some of the uh, other payments involved because they're getting a guaranteed stream and you're paying us, but we pay them on your behalf. Yeah. You benefit, everyone benefits, everyone's happy. So they're kind of like, well, we could get no payment from this yeah. person forever and chase them forever. But if they have exactly. no assets, we're never going to get anything from them yeah. or we can take a smaller amount. Exactly. Yeah. The, so, the, the, so, the, the, so are the debts like they're not wiped clean, but I mean, I mean, literally, like no. you're just putting someone on a payment plan, essentially. And a payment you, plan, and we're helping to manage the in between. And you're That's direct it. debiting their bank account or something, so you guys know the money comes in. Yeah, whatever. there's a set yeah. way that they you you have to put or they have to put money into this one account, yeah. and then we're able to attack that account. And you you know your responsibility is to make sure that money's there when yeah. it has to be taken out. That would be a big no no if you know there was no money in that account when we went to grab it. You have to have it. So there. over time, it's less expensive for. Yeah. For them because you guys are negotiating lower interest rates and so they can pay it off sooner. And and we also can do the math. Here's the other good thing for you as the consumer. We're able to come back to you and say, if you pay us $346 per month or whatever the amount is, we can guarantee you 
if you continue to pay us, your debts will all be gone within three years. So I'm just making that up. Okay. We know we can do the math and figure out the time frame, and you will know. Now, here's one of the things you trade off, though. We, or most debt companies, will close those other credit cards during that time to help stop you from your yeah. own wishes to try and gain other things. So you shouldn't be buying stuff with your credit cards as we have just consolidated them all. Okay. So some people can't stand that. That's not for everybody. So if you're not one who can have your your credit closed off for a few years, you may not like that option. So but that, that's part of what okay. we do. <clears throat> so that's debt management? It's debt management. Okay. Debt settlement is one where a, 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 a another in-between, another intermediary joins on your behalf, we'll go back to those five credit cards again, $10,000 worth of debt, of which they on your behalf will try to negotiate themselves with the credit cards uh, companies to get your debt down. And so it's almost like instead of making a payment plan with them, it's almost like they're more like... Um, uh, what's the word to think about? They're like advocates for you, but trying to explain why your your their client doesn't need to pay these off to you. Will you guys on the credit side accept fifty cents on the dollar? I know that this client owes you two thousand. Will you accept one thousand? Okay. To another credit card, they do that for each of the five. They go to them and not harass them, but they they push them. And so the fees that they pay or you pay for them is they walk away, meaning the, that settlement walks away with some great portion of the difference of what they saved you. So if, they, if your debt for credit card A was 2000 and they were able to have it now be 1000 then they claim the settlement company takes away, let's say, 200 of that 1000 that they saved you. So they're, okay. they're, they're getting good money, great money on the settlement side. And here's to add insult to injury, because you now didn't have to pay $1,000 in that, the IRS sees that as income. Oh, you, you get taxed yeah. on the reduction of your debt. Oh. And so you have to pay on that side. You get a lot of money goes to the settlement company on this side. And... Um, you know, there's this whole process by which they, again, they don't close out your accounts and um, they're in it to help, obviously, be as aggressive as they can. So, so this is like flipping the story. You know how many times you get attacked by um, by by those companies that are looking to, uh, to, to have you pay your credit cards? This is flipping it the other way. These people are attacking the credit card companies to try and reduce your debt. Okay. And are these... Are there like a lot of these companies out there? Are there big names yeah. or are there? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there, so, so it, it might be slightly beneficial for the person in debt, but it could, but be. after the fee for the debt settlement plus taxes on the forgiven debt, maybe they're yeah. really not making a lot of headway. Is that the, is that your point? Well, I think the point is number, a couple things. It's not always successful. Number one, okay, you're asking but you pay them to them, advocate on your behalf. But you pay them anyway? They, or? They're, trying to, they're trying to obviously make as much money as they can. And for yourself, as far as how it affects your credit, um, I think there's some negatives that happen to you on the credit side okay. in your credit report. Um, there's also, in full disclosure, some negatives on the other side, the debt management, because they close your accounts. If they close your accounts, if you, those five accounts are closed, your member part of the consideration of what your credit, your credit score is, yeah. is your debt to income ratio. Yeah. They've just taken away of a lot of your available credit for now. This now is that's going to go back up. This is on because the debt settlement side? Debt management. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I went sorry, back sorry, to sorry. debt management okay, for okay, a minute just okay. to say, if you close out somebody's cards... You've taken $10,000 worth of, and I made up the figure of, is if you had $10,000 of availability. Okay. okay maybe, let's make it a little different. You have $20,000 of availability of which you've used 10. If I close out the five cards, pay off the 10,000 through debt management, I've closed off $20,000 worth of available credit. Yeah, okay. Which right? is arguably, well, it's, it could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending it, on how you look at it. It depends, yeah. again, on the person. But what it means is that person no longer has the capability to borrow through their credit cards $20,000. Okay. That lowers the debt-to-income ratio They're, they have. Any other debts they have are against a smaller pool of available money. So, therefore, that affects the credit score, but it's temporary. Okay. It means that as now, 
the credit companies know all about this and the credit bureaus do as they see someone in a debt management plan religiously paying down these cards through a debt management company then the points go back up again because they're doing a very serious well-documented way to pay off their debt so debt management is you're working with an organization to um lower the interest rate essentially they're not forgiving any of the principal you're usually not consolidating and lowering interest rates getting yourself on a payment plan yes you're you're foregoing access to that line of credit in the future which which for spendthrifts could be a good thing absolutely um not necessarily that's not necessarily good for your credit but what you just said was that under debt management what is good for your credit is that the crediting agencies are seeing these consistent payments absolutely um okay so that's one option and is that your opinion maybe people should start there versus debt settlement I think it's the first thing for people to look at. Okay. I, I mean, I think you should look at, I'm a, again, I'm an advocate for all five. I say look at all five and you decide for yourselves okay. what's best for you. Yeah. Let's go to one last one and okay. I'll finish it off. All right. The last one someone generally has as available, we all have this, is bankruptcy. Yeah. And again, we're not advocates for bankruptcy, but we would tell you there's chapter seven and chapter 13 bankruptcy that if all else goes fails, and unfortunately in 2020, a lot of people did do this, is you basically try to get protection from all your creditors and you simply say I'm bankrupt and by doing that it has pros and cons it gets you out of from a lot of debt but at the same time it's a huge black mark on your credit score and your record so you kind of trade off one thing for another yeah you do in fact erase or do a plan the part of it one of them is Mm -hmm. to erase all debt Mm mm-hmm So creditors get nothing or the another one is a payment plan with them Mm -hmm. that they get through the courts. The courts decide that Peter can pay 10 cents on the dollar to what he owes or three cents on the dollar that the the companies have no choice. It's what the court has decided and adjudicated. Okay. But either one of those is a black mark on your record. They stay there for years. Yeah. I think it's 10 or 15 years. And so it's one of those things I said way before at the beginning of our show that most things last seven years on your credit report, good or bad. But some of these bad things go beyond. Like, for instance, if you don't pay your taxes, if you don't pay child support, the government keeps those on as black marks for a long time. They have more weight. I bet. Yeah. And so with bankruptcy, of course, can be very hard for you to obtain uh, lines of credit in the future, whether it be a car or you want to purchase a home after you turn things around can that Mm -hmm. can be very difficult, if not impossible for a long period of time. Um, Absolutely. So our advice all the time is just to a client say, look, these are your choices, but be aware of what your choice means. If you choose yeah. bankruptcy, you're 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 affecting your future. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I mean, you're a wealth of information. So I, I, a little plug for your organization is that the American is that American Consumer Credit Counseling is a nonprofit yes. agency. Correct. That and if people have questions about. Um, you know which is which is the best option for me here is my situation you guys are sounds to me like you guys are a pretty good place to start i actually don't know where other people start in this regard it's certainly yeah. not my area of expertise mm-hmm. um and and you know are there are, are there other resources that you're aware of mm-hmm. that are yeah. maybe you know competitors of yours unfortunately yeah. but um, absolutely are, i mean let me let me just bring up one of the ones that i used to work for i mean okay. there's there's another one that i worked for three years ago called Quincy Community Action Programs. Oh, okay. There are many what they call CAP programs out there, Community Action Programs. Put the initial in front of it. There's a Worcester CAP, WCAP. There's a Quincy CAP. There's a Lawrence CAP. All they are is they they all abide by somewhat the same kinds of, um, you know, community. They're all nonprofit. They um, they have a lot of community organizations that they work with. So, yes, I would suggest, again, folks on the call, check out things like this. Go to your own uh, town and find out, do you have any CAPs or any other financial types of advisors? So if you were to go to QCAP, my old place, my old haunting ground, I used to do first-time homebuyer counseling and uh, programs, Mm -hmm. helping folks to try and get their first house and all that. Same concept what I'm doing today, which is free counseling, free seminars, helping them to learn everything there is to know 
I never will direct you. So go to this broker, go to that insurance guy, go to that yeah. lawyer. It's these are the things you should be thinking about as you make a choice about buying a house and so on. Okay. If I came away from that and helped people to, to delay buying a house, that's a win because yeah. they have to be ready to do it. Yeah. And it's the same concept for any of the things we just talked about. You got to be... I believe in full disclosure and you need to be fully informed that you and your husband or you and your wife or you by yourself need to know, is this right for us? Can we afford it? Um, we just have a few minutes, Peter. Do you want to give out your contact information, please? Yeah. Um, or or even, even if it's just the website or what's the best way for people to get in touch yeah, with you? And I, would just, I would just simply say, go to the website, which is consumercredit.com. And you will, be, you will then see American Consumer Credit Counseling, and then that will lead you into all the things we're doing. I also, like I said before, I made a, a quick plug for myself, and I'm sure you'll see it on our website. The Our first foray into- Oh boy. Uh, into it, you know, into the more virtual- The, the virtual which, world of educating people, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we physically can't be there. So next, Thursday at two o'clock, I will be doing our first uh, hosting of a of a of a um, webinar of a, a live webinar. I will talk about budget, so basic budgeting techniques. I think we've called it the basics of budgeting, so that people realize if they're super sophisticated on budgeting, you know, don't attend. But it's self-select. Go and yeah learn and ask questions. There'll be some time for questions. Um, I'll try to make it somewhat interactive as I can, but we have a national audience. Apparently, you know, eight, uh, we have thousands and thousands of clients all over the United States. And by the way, just to say, if any of your people on the line are from any state, if you're hearing this from any state, the very first thing that will happen if you call one of our counselors is they'll say, well, what state are you from? If you're from Michigan, the very first thing will be pulled up is what are all the rules and regulations and everything you need to know about Michigan. And then they will help listen to your story and do what I just did. They'll kind of find yeah. out where you stand, give you options, and then they lay it on you. They say, okay, we've talked for an hour. I know where you stand. I know what you're trying to do. Here's your options, A, B, C, and D. What would you like? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that music, I don't know if you can hear it on your end, but I can hear I it. Do. And that means it's time for us to say goodbye for the morning. Um, you've been listening to McNamara on Money. We were talking about financial hardships today and how you can rebuild your life after the fact. My guest uh, this morning was Peter Mullen, a wealth of information. Uh, he's with American Consumer Credit Counseling. You can find out more about his organization, which is a nonprofit, at consumercredit.com. Um, I want to thank you again for being here and, and, and walking us through this stuff this morning. I hope everyone uh, stays well. Thanks for listening. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You can find out more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. Uh, stay well, everyone. Take care. Peter, thanks again. Have a good one. Thank you. All right.